Romans 14, verse number 5. Remember once again, we've been speaking about those things um, that aren't the express commandments of God, but they may be things that one person may feel like they have liberty and another person feels like that they do not um, to be able to do. So verse number five says, one man esteemeth one day above another. And you can imagine someone thinking that everybody ought to esteem that day. If it's that important, you know, to that one person, then it ought to be important, you know, to everyone. Um, And another esteemeth every day alike. And he can't understand why one day is set above, you know, another. Let every man, and here's, here's the three words, be fully persuaded. And the bigger thought, be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regardeth. So, being fully persuaded. That's, that's the thought that we have this morning that we want to think upon. So before we look at that anymore, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord to bless, ask the Lord to be with us, speak to us. Brother Donnie, would you pray for us? Hmm. Yes. may be seated so the the past two messages we've been talking about God being able to make a person stand that was last week the week before um, God receiving him uh, that is the weaker that we would be tempted to judge and say not looking so good for them but um, today I I want really this to resonate with I mean not that I don't want every message to resonate with us all but I mean this is has particular um, bearing upon you know each and every one of us and think about what it means to be fully persuaded there is no doubt Um, you're talking about God being limitless I have no doubt about that. I'm fully persuaded, you know, of that. Now, that brings some hope. You know, Donnie was saying, if we didn't think that God was in complete and utter control, what hope could we have? Uh, what if everything was just subject to chance, like the world thinks it is? What if everything was just God spun the thing? And, and the, you, know, you know what it's like when you're a kid to spin one of those tops. And, you know, when it, when it runs out, it runs out. You know, no, God's, and like Brother Jerry said, God didn't make any mistakes. I thought about Brother Johnny Carter, and he's preaching through Genesis one time here with us, and he said, when Adam and Eve sinned, God didn't say oops. You know, right? So, we serve a God who is all-knowing. We serve a God who is all-seeing. We serve a God who is everywhere. There's not a place that I can be. Again, don't those things speak to Him being limitless, Right? Uh, We were talking about that earlier this morning already. And so since he's not limited, and him being not limited, I can be fully persuaded, right? So if he's not limited, then I can be fully persuaded that what he has said in his word not only is true, but it will come to pass. 
It will come to pass. So that which he's begun, he will also what? Complete. He'll finish it. He'll finish it. So again, just like the world being spun like a top, your salvation isn't something that you have to complete. You know, that, that somehow you're going to be able to make it from here to there. Um, how do you even do that? How would I, how would I close my eyes here and, 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 and open them in, in eternity, you know? Um, how would I do such a thing? Um, these, are, these are things that, that are in God's power and God's control, that God has purpose, that God will bring to pass, right? And we're fully persuaded. So we can see how important this, this thought, this phrase that we have here before us of being fully you know, persuaded. We said last week that God's able to make the weak stand. I'm fully persuaded of that. So if I see a weak brother or sister that's having some real difficulties, some real problems with some things, God's able to make them stand. How do I know that? Because I'm fully persuaded of what he says here in his word. Now, we're not making a message out of nothing here this morning. I'm not just trying to take different words in in different places and different verses and try to bring as many messages out of the book of Romans as possible. Believe me, I've not done that. I will tell you that there are times that that Martin Lloyd-Jones will weary me because he's like three or four different, you know, chapters, which would have been messages that he actually preached, you know, upon, you know, and I'm not seeking to do that. I don't want to weary you on these things, but I want to bring things that I feel like after praying about it, the Lord's led me, you know, in that, Lord, what do you want to bring out of this? verse? How many things could we bring out of this verse? I mean, there's a truth here. How many facets are that are there to it? How many times could we look at it from a different direction and see something more? Do we think that we've read this verse of Scripture before? We've heard sermons preached on this verse of Scripture before and that we've heard everything that there is to hear and know everything there is to be known. Well, for one thing, we're limited, right? And how many times have we found it to be true that we've listened to a message and it had wonderful impact upon us, tremendous impact upon us, and we find that message you know, I'm holding my hands like a cassette tape because I was, I was actually holding one of those in my hand this week. I sent a picture of it to Brother Donnie. And Teresa brought it to me, and she said, look what I found. It was the very first message, Brother JT, that I ever preached back in 1996. And it, 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 I'm, so I'm holding this like that, you know, because of that. But we've picked that thing back up, and we listened to it again. And we see things that we never saw before. You know, why is that? Again, because we're limited, but we've grown. Brother Jerry said something about, I think I've grown. You know, he said, I hope I've grown. I know he's grown. How could we not grow? I mean, we are his, and he's, he's completing that thing which he's begun in us. He's going to bring it to a completion. He's going to finish it. You know, we, we build things throughout the week. I don't always get to see everything that we build. You know, I, I start out with it and I'm estimating it and I turn it over to the sales department and I don't always go get to see the projects, but we start things and, and we complete them. And it looked like this when we started and we finished it. It's total transformation. It's totally different than it was before. You know, I'm, I'm sure the first time, um, and Anita, when you walked in, you know, to the farm, you know, house over there, you know, you remember what Papa's house looked like? I I can't even hardly see much of it anymore. I mean, there's the block paneling that when when Dad and I were walking, you know, in there, and he's like, what do you think? And I'm like, there's no question in my mind, that's got to stay. You know, that's something that you and and Papa all put on the wall, you know, that's got to stay here. Um, But there's a lot of things that have changed. It looks like a completely different house. You know, than it did before. There's some things that are still the same, but but there's, you know, the fireplace is still there. And I remember standing in front of that fireplace, you know, and I I walk around that place and there's so many memories, you know, that we have, you know, and I think about dad and, 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 you know, you walk around longer than I have and think about the memories that you have. The kids were climbing in trees yesterday that I climbed in as a kid. You know, it's pretty neat. Uh, But total transformation there's it's something that's that's that started here and it was over there well guess what that's happening with us right we're a, a new what creature right we're a new creature in christ i mean that's you're you're a new race of people um you know in, in essence really um you know you've you're something that you were not before something foreign to what you were before we were in darkness and now we're light brother jerry was telling us about right you know, we were in sin. We were drinking in iniquity like water. 
And now we hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's a total transformation. That's a total change. Uh, I'm fully persuaded from what I've seen God do in you and what I've seen God do in me that he's able to complete that work because I am not what I was. What do you think, Dunny? You what you were before? Have, have, we, seen, have we seen some changes? Um, I don't know. You know, Teresa didn't know me necessarily back then. I can't remember in what you've told me about you and, and Delina's relationship if she knew you before you knew the Lord. But, but, you know, there's a difference. What do you think, Heath? Are we different than we were? Have things changed? You know, we're not what we were. We not, we're not what we once were. We're different than we were. Who's, who's responsible for that? God is. It's not us. We haven't done it. It's not because, you know, I've read all those verses that you've, you know, you brought before us, Brother Jerry, but I read a whole lot, all the, I read a whole lot more, and all those things have, you know, there's a sense in which those things have changed us, but only because of the Spirit of God. Or we would not understand them, not know them. If it were not for the Spirit of God, they would just be words on the page. This would be a book like any other book that's in our house. And there's lots of different kinds of books in our house. You know, I've got my library with lots, you know, those types of books, commentaries and things. And then the kids, there's been, you know, four of them. So all the books, pretty much, I mean, I guess we've gotten rid of some over the years. But, you know, Dr. Seuss is still there. There's lots of different books in the house in the books, bookcase. But, um, you know, those, that would just be any book. Really wouldn't mean any more. Can you imagine this not meaning any more than, than uh, um, what's one of Dr. Seuss's titles? One fish, two fish, three fish, or blue fish, or red fish. I can't remember what the name of it was. Um, I do remember one of them from elementary school. Are you my mother? I don't remember that one or not. But you know, there's a teacher back here, so <laughs> of course uh, I'm going to remember that. But, but uh, it would just be a book. It'd just be words on a page. It wouldn't really mean anything. I mean, we might say, oh, well, you know, there's... There's those, uh, those poetry, you know, books in the Bible. I like poetry. I'll read some of those, you know. There's, there's these, you know, psalms that are kind of like songs. I'm in the music, so I'll... No, it's not. It's just be a book, you know. But it's more than that. This is the Word of God that, that endures forever. You know, talk, talk about not changing, right? It, it, it abides and endures, you know, forever. Fully persuaded of that. Completely and fully persuaded of that. So this is our thought. That word persuaded has to do with something that is carried out fully. You know, it's fully carried out. We've started things before and not been able to finish them. We've talked about that, but God finishes. <clears throat> He's not a starter and then something goes wrong with the project and it's never brought to a completion. No, this is God carries out fully. It's something that we're completely assured of. It's something that will be entirely, it's not just partly accomplished, but it's entirely accomplished. Um, you know, we've, we've had trouble, you know, since COVID getting different parts, you know, for things. You know, God doesn't have those problems like we do. It's fully carried out. It'll be carried through to the end. It'll be carried through to the end. So I'm fully persuaded. Why? Because it's not dependent upon me. It's dependent upon Him. And He does not fail. He must prevail. So it's, it's, it's not dependent upon me, but upon a God who cannot lie. A God who cannot lie. And we've already said he's a God who does not, what, change. It's a God who does not change. So I can be fully persuaded because those things are true. I can fully rely upon the word of God, which I believe every word to be true. And Brother Jerry is right. There, it's amazing that some people, I think I read, a, I read a statistic this week, and I don't remember exactly what the percentages were, but they, they had polled, you know, evangelical, you know, churches, um, and, and people, there, were, there was a certain percentage of people who believed that some of the word of God, the words of God were true, but not all of it. Well, you're in trouble. How are you going to make that determination? Which, what's true? What's not true? It's left upon me to decide which one of these words are true, which one of these words aren't true, which ones I ought to follow, which ones I shouldn't follow. No, every word, you know, is the truth of, of God that he's given unto us. You know, all scripture, Brother Jerry said, it's by the inspiration of God. It's given unto us. So I can be fully persuaded because this is wholly the word of God and it does not change because 
He does not change. Because like we said, God speaks in absolutes. So when God spoke that in the beginning, that hasn't changed. You know, when he spoke it in the beginning in, in you know, Genesis 1, and it was spoken again in John 1, it didn't change. It was the same. Uh, yesterday, today, and forever the same. So we can be fully persuaded because the promises that God has made in his word unto us are true. And like we said this morning, are yea and amen in Christ. Yes, yes, it is profitable for us. Absolutely. Um, You know, we talked about that word limitless this morning. God's not limited. He's limitless. What a word to take with us, you know, today. What a word to feed. It's profitable. That's the thing Brother J.T. is saying. What a word to feed us. It's a profitable word. Uh, It's not a dead letter. It's the living word of God. It's profitable, you know, for us. This word that we have here, persuaded, it's used five times. And one of the places is in this same book in Romans chapter 4, verses 20 and 21, where Paul demonstrates justification by faith. And he says of Abraham that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. So, That would be how we would stagger, how we would stumble at the word of God is through unbelief, right? He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded, right? That what he had promised, he was able to perform. What God promised, he's able to perform. I'm fully persuaded of that. You know, we're fully persuaded because God's able. He said it. It'd be one thing to say it, wouldn't it? You know, well, I'm going to meet you, Donnie, next Saturday at 9 o'clock. I can say that. Will I make it? I might. I'm determined, you know, in my heart to do that. I promised to go help Donnie with something maybe at his house, and, and I, was, I was determined to do that. My desire was to do that. But guess what? I could get sick. Not be able to make it. I had to call Brother Donnie and say, Brother, I'm sorry. You know, I, I really wanted to be there. I know you're dependent upon me. You probably got a lot of things ready, and, and you and I were going to do this thing, but I'm sick and I can't come. That doesn't happen with God. We're fully persuaded of that. Fully persuaded. What he has promised, he's also able to perform. That's Romans 4, 20 and 21. So we could, there's a lot of things we could say we're persuaded of, Right? I'm persuaded that man is entirely sinful. How am I persuaded of that? God's Word says it. God's Word tells us that man is totally depraved. You know, he's entirely sinful. That when man fell in the garden, he didn't stumble a little bit, Brother Jerry, and then recover himself. You know, got back on his feet and didn't fall completely flat on his face. No, he did a complete, and Brother Donnie, we can, we can understand this. He did a complete face plant. You know, um, you know, Brother Donnie used to do some of the skateboard stuff and some of the, you know, um, BMX type stuff. And there were people who intend to plant their foot and instead plant their face, you know, and man completely fell. Man's completely sinful. I'm completely and entirely and fully persuaded of that because that is what God's word says unto us. He told Adam, in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely yeah, you're going to die. Surely you will die. So we believe that there's no good in man, that he does not do what he does. I mean, don't we get into those situations with people, well, I've seen people do good things. Why'd they do them? If they're not a Christian, why'd they do them? Why'd they do that thing that they did? Was it for the glory of God? I think not, if they're not a Christian. That's not good because we're called to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, our neighbors, ourselves, and we are called to do all that we do to the glory of God. Anything that falls short of that is sin. If we're not doing what we do to the glory of God, it falls short. It falls short of the glory of God. It becomes sin. Sinful man acts from sinful motives. 
Sinful man is going to have a sinful motive. He may put it in a different dress. It may look this way and everybody says, oh, look at that. He's, he's such a giving individual. Well, it may be a tax break. That may be the why, reason why he's such a giving individual. You know, it may be to get into someone's favor, to court something, you know, someone's favor in some way where he can get in good with the king or get in good with this or that. I don't know. Uh, but sinful man has sinful motives. I am persuaded that there is nothing within man to commend himself unto God. There is nothing within man to reconcile himself unto God. There is nothing within man to restore his relationship with God. He is forever separated from God as Adam and Eve were driven out of the garden and could not return. They were kept out of that place. All have sinned, I am persuaded. All have fallen short of the glory of God. All are under the judgment of God, outside of Christ, that is. We understand. Why do we, how are we fully persuaded of these things? It's because this is what God's Word informs and helps us to understand. That unless we repent of our sins and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, we will not be saved. We will go to hell. There will not be any you know, get out of jail, you know, free card. There's not going to be stay here for a little while and then you, you finally pay for all of your sins and you get to be released. No, it's a forever estate. It's an eternal estate. Romans 3, 21 through 26 declares, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all, and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness. Brother Jerry talked about having another righteousness, not my righteousness. I didn't work this thing up. I didn't gain it. I didn't earn it. You know, I didn't build it up in some way. This is the righteousness of Christ to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. Why do we believe these things? How are we fully persuaded of them? It's because it's what God's word says unto us. First John 3.10 says, Here in his love, not that we loved God. Where were we? Without love for God. What were we? We were at enmity with God. That's what God's Word says. We were enemies of God. We were working at cross purposes. We didn't care about the things of God. Like I said, we were drinking in iniquity like water, and we loved to have it so. We wanted more of it. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. What's that word mean? Propitiation. Somebody give me a definition of propitiation. Substitute. A substitutionary death on our behalf. He died for us that we might live in Him, right? So that He might be the propitiation for our sins. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For He, that is God, made His Son to be There's the substitutionary death, right? Made his son to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So I'm fully persuaded that there is no salvation. There is no reconciliation. There is no justification. There is no sanctification outside of Christ. None. That Christ has been made a full sacrifice for all of my sins, past, present, and future. Are you fully persuaded of that? Some people have trouble with that. Are you fully persuaded that God has, has in Christ made Him to be sin for us, for our sins? That's past sins. That's present sins. That's future sin. That He is the only sufficient sacrifice and atonement for our sins that apart from faith, which is, we know, the gift of God, Apart from faith in the substitutionary, 
That's that word propitiation again there. The substitutionary death of Christ on our behalf, apart from believing upon him who is the only sufficient sacrifice for our sins, and that by him God has imparted unto us his righteousness, forgiving our transgression and restoring us to a place of fellowship and reconciling us to God, I would not know him. I would not care to know him. It would not matter to me whether I knew him. I would have died and gone to hell as I deserved to do, apart from his grace. I am fully persuaded of that. Fully persuaded. And therefore, I can rejoice in him. Therefore, I can praise him. Therefore, I can give him what? All of the glory. All the glory belongs to him. All the honor belongs to him. I've not earned any of it. I don't deserve any of it. It's grace, right? I don't deserve any of it. Fully persuaded, like we said before, that all those who come to faith in Christ are made new creatures, new creatures in Christ. That the things of their former way of life, a life that was given to sin, I'm not saying we don't sin anymore, but my life's not given to sin. If you're a Christian here this morning, your life's not given to sin anymore. If you're truly his, your life's not given to sin anymore. You may stumble and fall into sin, but you're not given to sin. You hunger and thirst after righteousness. You desire to please God in all that you do. I'm fully persuaded that those who are in Christ are born again. They're born anew. They're born from above. Aren't these good things to be fully persuaded in? Being made a new creature, my desire is towards God. My desire is towards His kingdom. My desire is towards His righteousness. So if you know something of which I'm speaking, then you know something of what this phrase means to be fully persuaded. That's what we're talking about here. Being fully persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Against that day that's coming. That day when, can you imagine standing before him that day? What a glorious day that will be. Can you imagine standing before him that day outside of Christ? What a terrible, awful day that will be. The world's entirely convinced, as I heard in a commercial this morning. These were some of the words that I heard this morning. That what's important is what makes them happy. Guess what? That's not what's important, and I'm fully persuaded of that. I'm fully persuaded that what makes you happy is not the thing that is most important. I'm entirely convinced that what makes man happy will end in destruction. And that is only what is done for Christ that shall last. Well, only what is done in Christ that shall last. Only those who are in Christ will last. We'll be able to stand before him in that day. John 10, 28 says, And I give them, what? eternal life. I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Fully persuaded. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my Father's hand. Fully persuaded that that is true. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. We're back on the same subject again, aren't we? The Lord purposed this morning to give Brother JT that verse of Scripture as we were going through those things in Luke chapter 4, and we ran into that word, and we just took the rest of the time with it, didn't we? That God cannot be limited. He is limitless. I give unto them eternal life. It's not limited. It's eternal. They shall never perish. They shall not be plucked out of his hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are, Brother Jerry, one, right? How about all those verses in Romans chapter 8? At the end, you know, verses 31 through 39, you know, who's going to separate us from the love of God? Shall this, shall that? Nothing. Nothing shall be able. I'm persuaded. Here's this word again, right? We're fully persuaded. He says in the very last verse there, in verse number, well, not the last verse, but verse 38, Paul says, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
So you've believed upon Him. You've come to trust in Him. You've come under the shadow of His wing. Guess what? Nothing can remove you from there. Not even you. You can't remove you from there. He gives eternal life. Theirs, ours, yours from when? Before the foundation of the world, we said earlier. God's able to make them stand. God's able to strengthen them. He gives eternal life. Who can take it away? As pertains the weaker brother, we said God's able to make them stand. God's able, God's received them. He's able to keep them. Think about that in relationship to Isaiah 40, 29. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that don't have strength. He increases, you know, their might. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. You know, the weak brother is not without faith, is he? I mean, the thing that he's not doing or the thing that he is doing that someone else says, you know, you should or shouldn't do or you should be able to do or shouldn't have to do. He has faith. If he didn't, he wouldn't be doing what he's doing to please the Lord. He has faith. He's just, he's weak in his understanding. He's weak in his knowledge and God's able to make him stand. And we are fully persuaded, you know, of that. There's one who's going to judge us in the end. It's not me judging Donnie. It's not Donnie judging me. He's going to judge us. Christ is going to judge us in the end. There's one judge. 1 Corinthians 4, 3 through 5 says, But with me, Paul talking about judgment, is a very small thing that I should be judged of you, or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet I am not hereby justified. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. We're such poor judges of what praises God, you know, aren't we? Oh, may we then pray and live to have such praise, to have the praise of God, that I live my life in such a way, I'm fully persuaded of living my life in such a way that I would receive praise from Him, honor from Him. What other praise matters besides His? What other praise matters besides... What kind of praise are you talking about? Well, let's put it in context. Well done, good and faithful servant. My good and faithful servant. Enter into my kingdom with joy you know, and gladness. There's praise. That's the praise I'm looking for. Not the praise of men. I'm looking for that praise. That's what I desire to hear. Paul and all of his understanding. Think about you know, this, this limitation. You know, we're talking about God being limitless. Talking about we are limited. Talking about being fully persuaded. Are we always fully persuaded? Is there never any doubt? Is there never any unbelief that creeps in? Sure there is. There is. You know, Paul, in all of his understanding, I mean, Brother Jerry asked me this morning, he said, he said, Brother Russell, can, can I have a little bit of time to be able to address the congregation and speak? Sure. What if Paul was here this morning? Not Jordan, but the Apostle Paul, right? Would, would, we, would we say, Brother Paul, would you speak to us? You know, sure. But even as an Apostle, even with all that he understood and knew, of which Peter said what? Of the things that Paul wrote. Some of those things were what? Hard to be understood. Even Peter said that, right? So here Paul says this, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this to you. Think about that in relationship to the weaker brother or the weaker sister. 
Is God not able to reveal things unto them? Is God not able to strengthen them? Is God not able to make them apprehend? Is God not able to to cause them to reach forth to attain uh, those things that are before them? Absolutely. If we, if in anything we be otherwise minded, it says here that God shall reveal even this unto us. We're all following after that same thing, aren't we? God is doing that in us and in them. He's causing us, Brother Jerry said, I think I've grown. You know, in essence, that was kind of the thought. I don't remember exactly the way that you framed it, but we are growing. We are increasing in knowledge. Are you reaching forward? Are Are you struggling to know more? Or do you think you know it all? I think, I think we're humble enough to understand that we've, if Paul can say he hadn't apprehended, we ourselves can say, I, feel, I can't say that I've apprehended everything. Do we not have all reason to say like with the psalmist in Psalm 73? I mean, at times when we thought, you know, I know this or I know that, that man says, so foolish was I and ignorant I was as a beast before thee. We've mentioned that already before, I think, in this study. We can be beastly, can't we, in our attitudes? What is our hope? Our our hopes in these things that we are fully persuaded of that we find in God's Word. These things that have been born in us by the Spirit. Where does hope come from? We just pick it up off the street one day? You know, buy it off a bookshelf? No. It's been born in us from above. Born in us by the Spirit, through Christ, in God. I'm fully persuaded, not in myself, but I'm fully persuaded in Christ. For it is God which worketh in you, Philippians 2.13, both to do or will and to do of His good pleasure. Think about what Paul says in Philippians 3.16. He says, nevertheless, whereto we have already attained. He already said before, I've not attained. But what I have attained unto... He says, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. We're faithful with a little, right? God can give much. Be faithful with what he's given unto us. Walk by that same rule. Be fully persuaded in those things that God has spoken unto you. What God has showed unto you. Stand fast. The scripture tells us in the strength that God gives, I'm fully persuaded in him. I can stand in myself. I can't stand in Christ. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me in myself. I can do nothing. I can do nothing. I'm fully persuaded of that. I need to remember that. We walk in the light that we've been given until we're brought by the Lord to a greater light and a greater understanding of his word, aren't we? You know, Donnie sent me a video this week of John Gerstner. I don't know if you know that name. Is that a familiar name to you? So this, this would be the person that R.C. Sproul would have sat under, you know, as he was going through school and becoming the, the professor that he was before he really became a pastor. You know, he was teaching seminary classes. And so I was telling Donnie when he sent it to me, I said, I can watch Gerstner and, and listen to even his voice inflections, his mannerisms, and I can see, you know, R.C. Sproul, same, you know, even his voice sort of sounds the same. But he was speaking upon the Lord's Prayer, and he was talking about praying, hallowed be thy name. Now think back to what we've attained, right? And there's so much more he was talking about that God is than we understand then we fully understand at this time that we fully are aware of. So when we come to hallow God's name, we hallow it with what we understand of him, what we know of him, what, what's been given unto us and, 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 and brought to light. Down the road a little further, you know, five years, ten years, whatever, down the road, we'll be able to hallow God's name in ways that we didn't understand before. Because we just didn't see the majesty of God, you know, in, in the sense that of, of who he is. I mean, Brother Jerry illustrated in, this, in, in the way that, that telescope saw something that man hadn't seen before. And here we are. And we see something we've not been able to see before. And we glorify God from that, 
from that place that we've never been able to stand before, from that vantage point, from that height that we've never been able to stand before and glorify his name from. So we hallow his name with what we understand until we understand better or more. It's not that God's changed, but over the course of our walk, we've changed, isn't it? Hosea 6.3 says, Then shall we know, if we follow on to know the Lord, His going forth is prepared as the morning, and He shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter, right, and former rain unto the earth. And doesn't that make you think of something else? You think about God's not limited like we are. You know, that was one of the thoughts we started with. And you think about that which He sends forth, that it prospers. I mean, that rain comes to the earth, the illustration's given. And what? It prospers in that for which he sent it forth. So that that seed's going to bud and that plant's going to grow and it's going to come to a full maturity and it's going to bear fruit. You know, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. You know, it's going to bear some fruit. I mean, it's a plant that God's planted. What else would you expect? We plant plants, you know, out there at the farm, but they don't always come up like we expected. That's not the case with God. Guess what, Brother Jerry? We're going to bear some fruit. You know, God's determined it to be so. He said so in His Word. I'm fully persuaded of that. We will know more and more as God gives it unto us to have and to walk in. I told you already about George Mueller this morning and about how that through prayer, you know, for being determined and fully persuaded that God was able to supply every need that, that He had and that later that he and his wife had, and that later he and his wife and his child had, and that later he and his wife and the child and the congregation had, and then beyond that, the orphanages that came along after that. He was fully persuaded. He grew in his dependence upon God. He grew in his understanding that God is not limited, that God does know our every need, and that God is able to fully supply that when we need it. And there were lots of times, like I said, that it came at a time that it was like the last hour. I mean, the person's coming to receive the thing that he's promised, you know, to give. And he was determined. He was fully persuaded that they should not go into debt. There was a time when they would pay the milkman by the week, but he became so convicted by this that the Lord had showed unto him that he would live upon God every day that he told those households, those orphanages, we no longer will buy milk by the week and pay our milk bill. You know, at the end of the week, we will pay that bill every single day because he took it seriously when the scripture says, oh, no man, anything, you know. And God had showed him that he was going to live upon God, and he did. And he would even pray in such a way. Lord, do this in such a way, provide in such a way that brother so-and-so over here that I've been talking to uh, about these things and he's working so many hours and he works so many hours that he, he just doesn't have time to spend you know, with his family, he doesn't have time to spend in your word. He's, he's overworking himself, he's overworrying himself and he thinks he's got to work all those hours to be able to make ends meet. Show him through my life, Mueller was saying. Show him through my life that he can depend upon you. And he doesn't have to look unto himself and his own hands and his own strength. And he would tell the man, he would say, when you were sick, where did that money come from that provided for the needs that you and your family had while you were not able to work? And he said it was from the Lord. But the man wasn't fully persuaded. He wasn't fully convinced. And so George Mueller was saying, Lord, help him through me. Help him through me. And what you've shown me of yourself and what you've shown me of your providence and your care for your children, show him through me and through these orphanages and the dependence that we have upon you daily. Show your people that they can trust you. Show your people that they can depend upon you. Show your people that they can wait upon you and you will supply. Um, But, you know, that was the place that the Lord had put, you know, George Mueller. Um, Like we said, he had times of fear, no doubt. But he would, he would call upon the Lord in those times to restore his faith, and the Lord was faithful. It takes me back, all these things that we're talking about being fully persuaded, it takes me back to where we were in Romans 11. Verse number 33, Oh, 
the depths. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him, then it shall be recompensed to him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Oh, the depths of the riches. Oh, the depths of the riches, both the wisdom and knowledge of God. Talking about God being limitless and talking about needing wisdom. And we go to the book of James. If any of you like wisdom, let him ask of God. How does he give? Well, this is all I got to be able to give to you today, JT. I just don't have any more. No, he gives liberally. Fully persuaded of that. His word says so. I think about the hymn, God leads his children along. He, he led Mueller along that way, right? We sing that hymn, God leads his dear children along, some through the waters, right? Some through the floods, some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. Lydia's been reading a book this week, and I, I mentioned last week, Joni Erickson Dada, she'd been reading a book, and, and she was expressing to me how that when Joni was in the greatest pains at night, I mean, there would be times that she, you can understand a little bit about this, need to turn, you know, because you're in pain. Here she is, she's not able to turn herself, right? She's already woke her husband up three times, and she, he's asleep, and she doesn't want to wake him up again. And so a song would, would come forth in her heart and mind and all of that would just drift away as she praised and gave thanks unto God for all that he's done in her life. It gave her something else to focus upon, you know, besides her misery. Gave her something else to focus upon, you know, besides the pain, uh, besides the torment even, you know, perhaps. I don't know what that's like. I mean, you lose the, you lose the use of your arms and legs, but you still feel the pain. You know, um, somebody might say, well, that's not fair. If I can feel the pain, why can't I use them? Um, but she gave thanks, gave glory unto the Lord. And as we think about that hymn, some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. No wonder Paul says in Philippians three ten and 11, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Paul speaks again in Ephesians 1.3 Praise be to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us in, every, or in, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He goes on in Ephesians 3 talking about the unsearchable riches of Christ. How many things are, to be, are there to be fully persuaded of? The unsearchable riches of Christ. Oh, the depth we read about there in Romans 11. So may the Lord make us fully persuaded. Fully persuaded by following on and following after, knowing His voice and following in His call. Where does it all find us this morning? Are we fully persuaded? In those things wherein we're currently walking. Walk in the light that you've been given. Walk in the understanding you have and be fully persuaded of it. Be fully persuaded of what God's given you and where He has you. How many difficulties we may find ourselves in if we're not fully persuaded of the Lord. Have you made any major decisions in your life? I was just talking to somebody last week. And I'm not going to say what the situation is or who the person is, but I will ask you to pray for that person in this set of circumstances they find themselves in. Major decision that they're having to make. Big step that they're having to make. And I told them this. I said, look, you want to be fully persuaded. And I'm illustrating this in this way. You want to be fully persuaded that the thing that, that, that you're about to do or that's set before you here is the thing that the Lord would have you to do because you don't want to get on the other side of it. And begin to wonder, did I really do what I should have done here? No, be fully persuaded. Seek the Lord. Pray about this thing and ask the Lord if it's uh, reading Mueller. It comes to mind again. You know, he, would, he would have a desire towards something. 
And he didn't automatically assume this is a desire the Lord had given him, even though it was something that would glorify the Lord. He was like, Lord, if this is not of you, take it away. Take the desire away. Take the thought away. I don't want it to be there. I want to be fully persuaded. And the Lord would establish the thing and wouldn't take it away from him. And there wouldn't even be money there for to be able to do it. I mean, they, 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 they started so many different things. Uh, he and another brother that, that pastored the church there, and, 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 and he would be like, is this it? Is this the thing the Lord would have me to do? Lord, if it's not, take it away. Lord, if it is, make provision for it. And he would pray 18 months, you know, towards this thing. And the Lord would establish it. And he didn't have any doubt. After 18 months praying about it, after 18 months seeking the Lord over it, he was without doubt. He was fully persuaded. The Lord knew what he needed. The Lord knows what you and I need and how he needs to go about that so that we would be fully persuaded. He was fully persuaded. Even though there weren't the funds there for it, maybe at the beginning, and even though it kind of trickled in, even though it had a, a small start, had a small beginning, but it grew into something much greater. You know, they started off with just, you know, seven children, you know, caring for, and it grew, you know, into, you know, they, they determined we weren't going to take kids, you know, that were this young. And there were petitions of people, will you take, you know, these children? And, and that thing just kept growing and mushrooming. And the Lord blessed it, and the Lord provided for it. But how many difficulties we may find ourselves in if we aren't fully persuaded, if we're led by our emotions instead of being led by the Lord? Where might we find ourselves, you know, months down the road or years down the road when things get tough and whatever that is? And we look back and we say, I miss the Lord somewhere. No, if we're fully persuaded, then we can fall back to that place, can't we? And I know I've told you this before, but it is a lesson the Lord has taught me over and over again, you know, about decisions that I would make to where when things got hard, I was able to fall back to that place and say, no, I'm not going to let the devil tempt me into thinking that I made a wrong decision because I set this thing before the Lord and I was fully persuaded before I stepped into it that it was what he would have me to do. And if it's what he would have me to do, just like with Mueller, he's going to provide I'm fully persuaded of that. I don't have to doubt. I don't have to, I don't have to wallow in unbelief. Instead, I can go to the Lord and say, Lord, I know this is where you sent me. And it's hard. This is a difficult place that I find myself in, down this path that I believe that, without a doubt that you set me on. So, Lord, would you help me here? Help me to overcome in this place. Don't, don't give reason to others, the enemy, you know, to, to say, huh, look, the Lord abandoned you, didn't he? He left you just dangling out there, right? Now, what kind of God do you serve? David had those occasions, didn't he? He speaks about that, you know, in the Psalms. You know, don't, don't let, you know, how about, how about even Moses? Lord, have you brought these people out here in the wilderness to kill them? You know, what are they going to say? Well, what are your enemies going to say if that happens? You know, Lord, you set us, provide help, you know, here. Don't, don't slay them. I, I know they're a stiff-necked people. I know they're a rebellious generation. I know their heart is hard. You know. Show them your greatness. Show them your glory. We wouldn't charge, choose rather, not charge. We wouldn't choose hard things for ourselves, would we? We'd choose the easy things. We'd choose the smooth path. You know, the thing that, the thing that you know, with Christian and Pilgrim's Progress, when he jumped over that fence, I mean, he was on a rough path. It was hard going. He jumps over the fence, you know, and it's all this green grass and it's soft ground and it's easy walking he found it to be more difficult over there than if he had stayed where the Lord had him. Isaiah 55, 8 through 13 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain, and this is what we were indicating earlier, cometh down in the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it to bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. 
It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. And he goes on to say, For you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace, and the mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorns shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Again, not limited. He is limitless. What he sends his word forth to accomplish, it will accomplish. It is established. I am fully persuaded of that. That what God purposes will prosper and that his word will not return unto him void. How can I be fully persuaded of that? Well, one, God's word says it. But two, God's given us what? Faith to believe it, to lay hold of it, for it to mean something unto us. I mean, it's not just words again on a printed page. This is truth. It is life. It is bread, you know, for us. It feeds us. So that person I was talking about, I had reason to quote unto them one of my favorite passages of Scripture when it comes to that sort of thing, these major, you know, decisions. But we've said before how minor things can become major things, right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all thine heart. And what? Anybody? Lean not unto thine own understanding, but what? In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he'll do what? He'll direct your path. Talk about things to memorize, brother. That's, that's a good word to have in your arsenal you know, of things that we can be fully persuaded of. What does he say? The Lord says, trust in me. Trust in me. Don't lean on your understanding. That's, that's shaky ground. That, that's sinking sand. Don't lean on that. That is not reliable. Uh, don't lean there. Don't lean. Trust in me. Lean not upon or unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Everything. We, we, we had a word given unto us about the word all, right? You said that to us, brother. All, I took recently, I know I'm taking too much time, right? I'm, I'm being long, Brother Jerry. But I took recently, um, Anna's birthday was back, you know, earlier. Are we, we're still in September, aren't we? Yeah. Earlier in September, and Lydia had bought her a little, uh, it was a necklace, wasn't it, Anna? And it had Romans 8.28 on one side, and Mark, what was on the other side, do you remember? Mark what? Mark ten twenty seven. What's that say? For with God, all things shall be possible, right? And so there was that word all, right? And then Romans eight twenty eight, all things work together, right? So there's that word all again. So I I took and I I found a bunch of all you know passages in Scripture and I put it you know on a a a, a a piece of paper, printed it out. But up top, the thing that, that you don't know is that Anna's, you know her first name and her last name, right? But her middle name is Lynn. So her initials are what? All, you know. So we put that together and gave it to her, you know, on her birthday so that she could see all of these all passages and connecting it, you know, with her initials, you know, maybe it would it would it would spark some of this more being fully persuaded of the word of god you know within her um and and those things become more precious you know unto her you know for that for that reason but but um trust in the lord with all of your heart all of your heart lean not upon your understanding but in all of your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path so lord help us to stand by the one who's able to make us stand. Lord, help us to be fully persuaded that he is able to complete that which he has begun. Lord, help us not to be tossed to and fro by doubt and fear and unbelief, but to be fully persuaded, you know, in him. Paul said in Romans 14, 14, I know. He knew some things, right? We know some things. These things that we know, listen to what he says next. I know and am persuaded by the Lord. 
So here we are. We know these things, and we are persuaded of these things by the Lord, right? I am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean in itself or of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. And where I was going to go from here was about the conscience. We don't have time. But, you know, that thing with the conscience. I mean, to that person that regards as unclean, to him it is unclean. That's the weaker brother. You know, to the other one that's stronger, it, there's nothing unclean of itself. You know, everything is to be received and as long as it's received with thanksgiving, right? You know, so we, we have that, that dynamic there between the weak and the strong that we've been looking at here in Romans 14. But I wanted to kind of go, you know, into, and maybe I'll start there next week, but this idea of the conscience. What an important thing the conscience is. You know, what, what do you, what do you, when you think about the word conscience, what comes to mind in Scripture? Anything come to mind? Hmm. What kind of consciences, let's put it this way, what kind of consciences do we find in Scripture? Yeah, there's corrupted consciences. There's defiled, you know, it'd be the same thing, um, said in a different way. You know, what other kind of conscience? What's the opposite of, of a defiled and corrupted conscience? Hmm? Good, clean, pure. Yeah, yeah. What can you do to your conscience? Sear it with a hot iron. How important is the conscience? I mean, Paul stood before that council, and what did he say? I have lived in all good conscience. That, he was determined that he would live his life that way in all good conscience before God and before men, right? So what an important thing conscience you know, is. I'm fully persuaded that your conscience is a very valuable thing. For some, you know, because they have gone against the conscience, they even, Paul says, made shipwreck of their faith. That's pretty serious. You know, how important is the conscience, right? And people said, I wouldn't do that. You know? Or better than that, think about a defiled conscience, okay? Let's, let's give an example of a defiled conscience. Maybe I am talking about the conscience without, you know, I said I was going to save it for next week, but, but think about a defiled conscience. I was listening to one pastor this week. He said, I went to school with a young lady who said, I used to think that was wrong. But now I don't anymore. Well, why is that? She went against her conscience, didn't she? To the point that her conscience didn't bother her anymore about it. You know, there's, there's a corrupted conscience. There's a defiled conscience. You know, let's stand and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Well, I trust that there was something profitable this morning for you in these things. I mean, Paul thought this whole idea of the weak and the strong, you know, and, and this, this thing of being fully persuaded and God being able to make a stand and God receiving and not putting stumbling blocks before others and the kingdom of God not being meat and drink but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. He spends a whole chapter, you know, on it. Um, he's really not even finished with it in chapter 14. He gets in chapter 15 and he says, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not please ourselves. Uh, Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell upon me. So, you know, these things, you know, again, back to my point in the beginning, I'm not just trying to pull a phrase out of here and preach a message on it that doesn't have any bearing relationship or connection to Romans 14 because it does. It does. So let's go, like I said, to the, the Lord in prayer. Um, we're thankful for what the, the Lord's given us here, um, a place to be able to come together. And um, I was reminded again this week how good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, you know, um, what a good thing, you know, Brother Jerry was talking about a good, having a wife, you know, found a good wife. I was thinking about the passage that he, he who findeth the wife, you know what it says? He findeth the good thing. It's a good thing. You know, not everybody's married. Um, you know, not, Brother Dean sat back there right near where Sister Carolyn is right now and never, never married, you know. Paul wasn't married, you know. Yeah. So the Lord... The Lord knows. Um, um, 
in the hearts of those that that are single that want to be married and those, you know the, the 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 hearts of those you know um in every set of circumstances we know um but you know i think about the single you know the, here's andrew here's cohen here's anna here's lydia you know and then those of you know we have some here that have been married before you know but there are those who have been married not married right now those who have never married um you know are you content it's a good thing, you know. That six a wife, six a good thing. You know, that's that's not a bad thing. You know, it's not a bad thing to be married. You know, um, but uh, are we content being single? You know, are we content with where we are, Lord. If that is something you have for me, then I want to praise you in that. If that is not something that you have for me, then I want to praise you without it. You know, one man regards one day above another, another man every day the same. And here comes somebody saying, "Well, you know what you need? You just need a wife." Well, you know that's big statement for you to make speak in an absolute way like that you know that may not be what that person means they, they may they may not be ready for a wife a wife may not be ready for them and they may never marry you know we don't know but the lord knows trust in the lord with all your heart lean not upon your understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path right it's the lord's good